Scale Well Podcast. How to use technology to scale your business. All right, guys, welcome to the Scale Well Podcast. My name is Phil Bean. I'm here with Matt Gamble. We're two of the founders of Nudge Coach, an easy to use client management platform for wellness focused businesses. And today on the podcast, we have with us James Maskell. James is the creator of Functional Forum, the world's largest integrated medicine conference. He lectures internationally, has been featured on TedMed, HuffPost Live, TEDx, and more. He's a contributor to the Huffington Post, Kevin MD, the Doctor Blog, and serves on the faculty of George Washington University's Metabolic Medicine Institute. Perhaps most importantly of all, he's the recent author of the bestseller, The Evolution of Medicine, which featured Nudge Coach, which we're all fans of. Yeah. Thanks for doing that, James, and thanks for being with us today. How Absolutely. you doing? Absolutely. Yeah, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, James, sounds like you've been keeping yourself busy over the past couple of years. <laughs> I look busier than I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know we've had so much fun getting to work with you a little bit through Functional Forum, Evolution of Medicine. You're just doing so many awesome things for the industry, whether people are in you know, nutrition or they're more deeply ingrained in healthcare, even fitness. I think everyone's kind of jumping on the wave that, that you've helped create. So certainly appreciate that. And I think just as a great place to start for anyone who doesn't know you or the story would love to just kind of, if you could dive in, just like, you know, what is the functional forum? Why'd you create it? You know, how did we get to where we are now? Yeah. So, um, my partner and I had been in the space. I moved from America, I moved to America from England 11 years ago and, and dived into working in integrated medicine. Um, I, I w- had the pleasure of working in a really well-run practice, the first practice I worked at, uh, which gave me a really good idea of how to run these sort of new business models um, that really, I think, you know, the spa industry had it 10 years before medicine had it, how to run a cash business, how to, you know, pe- keep people coming back. And, and so I was really fortunate there. I was a sales rep for a number of years. That was like my 10,000 hours, like selling stuff to doctors, doing integrated medicine. But um, yeah, in 2013, we just realized that there wasn't really a community in New York uh, for functional integrated medicine. There wasn't a way that practitioners were getting together. You know, one thing we found is they felt very isolated. They would go to these conferences, you know, once or twice a year and feel like, oh, this is my tribe. But they weren't able to recreate that at any other point during the year. So we started out the Functional Forum as a meetup group for doctors, health practitioners, and digital technology entrepreneurs we um, in New York um, tried to get them all into a room together and then we wanted to create a show so one of the things that we saw was that CME education which is the you know uh, medical education that pretty much every type of provider has to go through is kind of going to zero was going to zero where there was there used to be only very few choices and it was expensive and now there was like a million choices and it was basically free and so our goal was like could we create something that doctors and health professionals actually wanted to watch um, and so we made this show it's sort of like a mixture, like a little, like we have some Ted style talks. We didn't let anyone have like a talk longer than 15 minutes at the beginning, um, just because we wanted to make sure that, um, it would be really engaging. And, you know, after the third episode, we started streaming it. So now people could stream it live from, from anywhere in the world for free. And then, uh, you know, just sort of grew from there. At this point in time, we've done 32 episodes, um, over the last three years, We've had up to 25,000 practitioners watch an episode um, and, you know, each month we have a different topic and now we have 200 meetup groups around the country and around the world of practitioners getting together, building, you know, their community. So it's been an amazing ride. It's been super fun to, to host it and to, 
you know, to, to curate the talent, you know, once we got past 3000 viewers, which was by like episode three, um, we were bigger than any conference. So now the sort of tables <laughs> turned and everyone wanted to be on the show, you know, just because everyone wanted to have influence over the other practitioners. So it's been a, it's been a really fun uh, ride to, to, to start moving. And, you know, I've really, um, you know, appreciated to, to, then start to look at okay what's the goal here what do we actually want to do do we just want to build community or do we want to take the industry forward and then it's sort of adapted into the evolution of medicine from there so when you started this you did did you have kind of a an idea kind of the back of your mind that this whole movement for evolution of medicine and kind of going beyond the forum itself did you did you see that happening or did were you really just trying to solve a very kind of small minor pain point of hey we need something better in new york to bring together the community yeah and looking back, it looks very congruent, but not really. We, we, you know, I don't think, like, I was really the only one who knew what was going on. Um, you know, I'd spoken at conferences, and I knew in the years before, and I knew that when I spoke at conferences, I brought something very different than the other doctors brought. So I had a feeling that people would like it because people liked, you know, would come up to me at conferences and go, that was, that was really engaging, everything else is really boring, that was fun. So I had a feeling that it, it would work. But until the first event happened and like we got incredible feedback, it just so happened that I curated a doctor on that first, uh, as a speaker on the very first forum, Dr. Kelly Brogan, who's turned into like a megastar. And the yeah. first talk she gave on that first forum is still our biggest talk of all time. <laughs> so like a lot of very like um, serendipitous things started to happen. And actually the most serendipitous thing, if we're talking about why it worked, so we did the first event, February 2014. The next event was scheduled uh, for March 2014. It was the first Wednesday of the month then. And after the first event came out, like two days later, Seth Godin put on an event in the place that we do the event in New York. Um, I did an in-person training. I don't think he's ever done it again, um, but it was just a one-off thing called How to Be an Impresario. And it was essentially looking at this new world of how do you bring together talent and audiences together in interesting ways. And there's this role for people who can do that. And basically Seth laid out the whole plan. You know, <laughs> and like, you know, we just, we went to it and Gabe and I were just looking at each other like, oh my God. And that's when we worked out, okay, yeah, we want to keep the event small, but scale it through the stream. And, you know, we don't want to just keep growing. You know, I guess after the first one, we're like, yeah, we're going to do this in Madison Square Gardens. And then we realized, you know, actually it's better to keep it small yeah. because mm -hmm. people want to come for the people in the room. And then as soon as it gets bigger, it gets diluted. So, you know, there, there, was, there was many serendipitous things that happened along the way that allowed it to grow really quickly. And I don't think that um, we, we could have predicted that at the first episode. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you, you had more of an idea of, hey, this will be kind of a thing we need for the industry, but not necessarily, hey, we're going to create a business out of it. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you all have done a great job kind of taking it to the next step. And how, so how did you all launch the, how do you go from an event that's more in person, you know, how many people are at the event, the functional form itself? The first event, there was like 60. The room took about 130, 140 was the capacity. So for the second one, we, so we videoed the first one and we videoed the second one. The second one, we were at capacity um, and, you know, 140, we got a great speaker. Then the third episode, we were at capacity again, but now we have the stream working. The stream didn't work the first time. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't work at all. We had people calling in. And then on the fourth episode, we had Mark Hyman. And Mark Hyman brings his sort of cachet in the industry. And suddenly that was when we had 3,000 doctors streaming in the first yeah. 24 hours. And then we're like, okay, we're on to something here. Because, you know, one of the things that I just realized is that the capacity, you know, one of my frustrations of what led to it was 
that I had been to these conferences. I saw Jeff Bland, the father of functional medicine, speak years before, like three or four years before. And I was sitting in this classroom and I was like, you know, this is an amazing talk that he's giving and every medical professional in the world should hear this. But there's only 500 people in this room and they're not videoing it. And like, this is dead after this moment. Like this moment is happening, but unless you manage to catch everything from Jeff's brain right. in just 45 minutes and do it, you know, no one. And I'd seen things like the Khan Academy where the guy from Khan Academy give his TED talk where he's like, yeah, you just video it and then people can watch it over and over again. It's easy. So there, there were just so many things where our industry was just so far behind. I wasn't like, a, I'm not a tech guru at all, but I know how the internet works. I know how video works. Mm -hmm. And I just realized that there was no content online in the functional medicine space for practitioners. Mm -hmm. And we just, you know, sort of jumped into that slot. Yeah, I think that's fantastic and speaks to the value of evergreen content. You know, it's such an obvious yeah. thing when you say it out loud. Yeah, let's just record it and put it out there and people can can latch on to it whenever they find it. But it's a step that somehow people skip and whole industries have skipped yeah. up to this point. Well, I think so. you touched on something really interesting too, saying how the industry was behind. And I think that's yeah. in general what we see kind of health, wellness, fitness, it's all a little bit behind. I think people are, are now start, starting to say, like, oh, oh, God, technology. We need, we need to grab hold of this. Kind of like when people started saying, oh, yeah, the internet. We need to have a website. Like, it's now, hey, how do, we, how do we actually tap into this, use it for marketing, use it for, you know, in our case, it's more kind of patient or client engagement. But leveraging technology to actually, you know, I think be that catalyst for mm -hmm. scale for of scale. the business. Yeah. Yeah. So you started with basically a meetup group in a specific place. And you saw this audience growing. How does that, how does one meetup group in one specific place turn into 200 meetup groups across the country, across the world? So it's a good question. I'll give you basically the timeline. So, so I had a friend in another industry who had done an online summit in, in the coaching world, like business and executive coaching. And he'd done that like two or three years before. And I'd seen his star rise. Like he went from, from just being a dude that I met, you know, who had a book on how to do social media for coaches to being like a dominant player in two or three years because he got this summit going and suddenly he had more email addresses and more business coaches than anyone else. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So the first episode hit, it was a hit and people liked it and they were like, this is great. And the tagline that I came up with for the functional forum was accelerating the evolution of medicine. And so, you know, I went, I left the next morning to go on a trip and there's this gluten summit that had happened in our space like three months before Tom O'Brien had done this thing called the gluten summit oh, in right, November right. 2013 and got 150,000 people registered. So I was like, okay, we're going to do a summit. So I got in touch with them and like literally the day after, and I was like, we're doing a summit. It's called the evolution of medicine summit. We're going to do it in September and it's going to be for practitioners and do it. Cause I realized that, you know, getting the emails was the, was the key, right, the, key right, right. the key strategy to, to grow it and getting other people to help grow it. Like, why did Mark Hyman, why did we get 3,000 people on that time? Because, like, one of our sponsors, who was, like, a lab company, saw that he was speaking and sent an email out to their whole community saying, hey, he's speaking, like, you should check it out. And suddenly we had 3,000 from mm -hmm. nowhere. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, this is the way that it's going to work. So we, did the, we, did the, we set the first summit up. So now we do the first summit. We go through now with building relationships with all of these um, these doctors. I've been in sales for so long that like my ninja skill is getting the decision maker on the phone or getting through to those people. So, you know, in my first summit, I got Hyman and David Katz and Deepak and whatever, like I was able to just 
get in touch with these people through people that I, you know, through connections right, that right, I've been right. making the last 11 years. It didn't happen in, in isolation. Like I've been in the space for 11 years, meeting people and whatever. So I, I knew how to sort of work those angles. So then, you know, that happened. We kept executing the forums. We took it to the next level. After that summit, we started doing it in HD. If you go back to the original one, yeah. the quality is so bad. <laughs> like they literally had the most budget streaming thing you could ever imagine. So now we've got, now we're in HD. We're doing it in a better venue. We're, we're really not making money at all because the venue was super expensive, but it, it made the show good. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, then, then, so then we started, so, before the summit, we actually flew to uh, um, to Denver to do a functional forum in front of the board of the Institute for Functional Medicine. I just sort of realized, like, these guys were a big player. Mark Hyman had, on the fourth ever episode, had announced the tie-up with the Cleveland Clinic on the show. So I was like, okay, this is happening. This is yeah. a good thing to get along with. So we went to Denver. It was a crazy plan, really, but we ended up doing a forum in this super random venue in, in Denver, and really there was 20, no, 50 people in the room, but the most important thing, again, was the stream, and two was the fact that these people were there. So then we were like, now we're starting to have a connection with the IFM. So, you know, we, we started to have a dialogue, and then in, in the early part of 2015, um, what we identified in a conversation with the IFM was that they were looking for a... So, to go back, I guess, at the end of 2014, we, we heard that now doctors were starting to get together in groups and watch together. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So we heard, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. Because one thing we did that I think we'll look back and say this was a great idea is that we, we created a thing called a concierge, a concierge call, evolution of medicine concierge, which basically meant that you could call up and have a free conversation with my partner Gabe and we would have a 20-minute conversation and in that conversation he would find out who you are how you heard of us what kind of practice you have that kind of thing and so Gabe had his sort of ear to the ground with these, yeah. these practices or okay people are starting to get together to have the meet up and I was like okay that's a good idea and so in January of 2015 we sort of announced this is a thing everyone do a meetup and get your people together and get a group together and watch the show together so in January 2015 we had our first meetup there was more than like 20 people. And then in February 2015, we had a meeting with the IFM. And what it turned out, they were looking for a way to turn their doctors into um, local advocates, essentially, for the brand. Mm. Um, you know, that, that, and so I said, well, look, why don't we partner? You, we'll do some sort of content agreement. And you guys encourage all of the IFM graduates, which is like 20, 30, 40,000 people, or people have been to their trainings to become ambassadors for the brand and, and run a local meetup. And they love that. So in July, 2015, we did our first co-branded episode with IFM and essentially they, you know, we had their content and they encouraged all of their members. So we went from a stage where we were really excited about a meet. We had like 20 or 30 meetups and we were really excited about meetups that had like 20 or 30 people at them. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, we had like a hundred meetups and some had 50 at them. And now we do another summit because the summit works so well. We did another summit in September. And by March of this year, when we did our first like big push with the IFM, now we had over a dozen meetups that had over a hundred people at them. So that's like a (laughs) hundred people sitting in a movie screen watching the show, which is crazy. Like that's never really happened, but it all was just a sort of an extension of, you know, looking to, I guess the way I would say to think about it is like, as you move up, 
you have the op- you get the opportunity to solve bigger problems for mm-hmm. bigger organizations. At the beginning, it was just like a little problem, like you know, can we get these people together once a month, you know, in New York? And then it's like, oh, now we've got these emails. Can we solve different problems to different people? So solving that problem for the IFM was great for us. It helped us, you know, and we just kept on executing our thing every month. Now we didn't try and push things too quickly, but you know, now suddenly, you know, people knew who we were and what we were doing. And, um, and also, you know, one of the, the, I think the thing that really helped the, the forum was that we were supplement and lab neutral. If you ever go to a functional medicine conference or any kind of integrated medicine conference, the vast majority of the booths are supplements. And labs. Right, right. We, we, we saw that at, at a few conferences yeah, already. Day, where, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so one, because we realized from the beginning, it was all about clinical uh, practice management and tech. So we always had the tech angle right from the very first episode. And so we essentially created a new um, sponsor category, essentially at these conferences by only featuring technologies and training programs as sponsors. So now we were asked by the Integrated Health Symposium and IFM to curate the, the, you know, the tech sponsors and on the concierge calls, Gabe was speaking to people and say, oh, you might like this tech, you might like that tech. So we were sort of becoming a sales agent for the technologies that we were working with. And, you know, that's sort of, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that we did was to be supplement or lab neutral. We could have made a hell of a lot more money by selling supplements, but we also would have like, people have their teams, right? Oh, I'm a Zymogen guy. And if you're a Zymogen guy, you're not going to go to the metagenics functional forum. Right, right, right. Um, You know, and so fast forward to what we just did with the book. One of the reasons why all of these supplements, labs, technologies, education companies felt confident in selling the book is for three years, I've kept to my word that I'm not going to choose one supplement or lab over another. And I want to make it all very inclusive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we basically just convinced a lot of people in this space to do affiliate marketing that had never done affiliate marketing in this B2B space. And it was because for three years, we've been doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like we came out of the gate and said, hey, can you market our thing to your whole right, list? Right, right, right. That we've done the whole thing, the right thing for three years. So I have a couple follow-up questions and I want to get to your book here in a few minutes. But before we do, I think you're, you're talking about the progress you all have made and kept kind of kept kept following your process. But I think one thing, I think a lot of, one question I think a lot of people are probably going to have is just how did you all, be, you know, cr- continue to create such sticky content? You know, I feel like everyone we meet who's, encountered your brand is almost a, a diehard fan. Like I don't meet anybody that has just come across the podcast once and you know, everyone I meet is so incredibly loyal to the functional forum that I just, I think a lot of people wonder how, how do you continue to create such great content and keep people really involved and in, in built into the brand? So the very first thing that I said on the very first functional forum was that was the sort of core message that we've kept on sharing all the way through, which is that there is this weird inferiority complex in the industry where we sort of feel like, oh, we're not worthy of regular medicine. We're this like weird subdivision, the, you know, the bastard child or whatever of medicine. And, the, you know, the truth is like, this is the future of non-communicable disease, participatory medicine. And even then, the first thing I said is, look, we've got to start acting like we're winning and stop acting like we're losing. And I feel like, I might have been the first person to say that, you know, to this group and yeah. say it consistently like, hey, you are valuable. Now, if, if someone is walking yeah. around telling you that you're valuable every day, you're like, oh, yeah, I like that guy. 
like <laughs> practitioners were kind of like a, a wounded dog and they needed to be yeah. built up a little bit. And they just needed someone to say, hey, you're worthy. Like you, you don't need to feel like that. Like you, you're doing the right thing. Like you're, you know, most practitioners in the space have, um, you know, what I, they've, they've developed a sort of moral responsibility to practice this type of medicine once they realize that it's possible to to do it they mm -hmm. they feel like they have a moral responsibility to practice it and i don't think anyone had really like validated that for them in a in a, in a way and so you know i think that was a big part of it people feel empowered and inspired as well as informed by it it's mm -hmm. not just information delivery and then the other thing is um you know the practice management, because I was the practice management guy, that's sort of how I got to speak at conferences or otherwise, because I was that guy hosting the show, there was enough in the show outside of the clinical where people were like, oh, yeah, you know what? I do see, I, you know, we shared examples of doctors who had, who had, who had taken, who had had a story mm -hmm. like in the book, and we can come back to that, but this, there's this guy called Jeff Glad. And he spoke on that same forum, on the fourth ever forum that Mark Hyman spoke at, where Mark Hyman announced the whole um, Cleveland Clinic. That was amazing. But at the same time, like, no one can be Mark Hyman. He's like an anomaly. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, you know, he's doing his thing. And also, like, no one can really affect whether that project works or not anywhere else. Like, we all hope it does. And we're all cheering for them. And we're right behind them. Mm. But we can't action anything. So on that same forum, we had this guy called Jeff Glad, and I had met Jeff through speaking at these other practice management conferences. And, you know, Jeff had this amazing everyman story, which was like sick doctor sneaking SSRIs from the drug cupboard, 50 pounds overweight, gets himself well through fitness, exercise, eating right, whatever, realizes that he doesn't have the skills to replicate that in his patients, goes to learn to replicate those skills in his patients, then tries to deliver this kind of care in a, like a, hospital environment doesn't make enough money for the powers that be and then starts this micro practice model mm -hmm. and you know that story was so powerful we kept on coming back to that story because it was like what i want for the people to feel on the other side is not like oh isn't mark hyman great but like oh i could do that and i want to do that and i should do that and so you know we, we tried to feature doctors who weren't like celebrities and you know we had a bit of celebrity because that got the people to come on but when people came on we were like no like you could do this everyone could do this and we're all going to have to work together to do it so i think that was a part of it is making it really attainable because i know one of the epidemics is not epidemic is not the right word but one of the things that you see is that you go to these conferences and there's a lot of people that have the moral responsibility to practice the medicine have seen it work in themselves and their family and are into it but still have a day job doing emergency medicine or whatever and so haven't been able to really work out a professional opportunity to you know to practice this medicine and so by featuring people who you know who were just like them and had created the opportunity for themselves I think that was part of the empowering part of it too. Yeah, that's really cool. You see this kind of, I can see the puzzle pieces fitting together in my head now better than I ever have talking to you before. So you kind of tap into this mutually shared vision, I guess, for how medicine should be practiced and you get people to buy in and follow you that way. You also compound that with the everyman story saying, this is how, you know, this, this matters in real people's lives and how you can turn this into a viable profession as well in business model. So it's a really cool evolution, evolution of yeah. medicine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th I think in, in this, so this kind of ties into kind of the next question I had for you as we're kind of looking at this was, so you're kind of sitting here, you're empowering this, this 
population, trying to help them. Hey, you know, how do we help all these practitioners go from maybe kind of part-time functional medicine practitioners to becoming full-time? And I know you've told me some just really interesting concepts before and kind of where you see this all heading, but I know technology seems to be the key driver here. What, what is the role of technology you see kind of playing with this future of, in this evolution of medicine? Mm-hmm. What pain points specifically yeah. in practice models is, is technology really? Look, the whole thing is super inefficient. The delivery of functional medicine right now is super inefficient, embarrassingly inefficient and like holding back everything. You know, I, I called this when I was trying to get my head around it. It was like everything that's happened up until now, let's just call that functional medicine 1.0 mm-hmm. where you know you did it because you felt like you had to and you didn't really know what you were doing but you just made it you made it work because you just you know you just fumbled your way through and now we're, we're definitely in a new era where people like nudge are creating tools to be able to make the delivery of this kind of care easy and you know it, it's speed and automation basically and um, you know we need some speed and automation mm-hmm. you know we don't need the same doctor playing all five roles especially when they're like the key person mm-hmm. in being able to deliver the care technology can play some of the role other providers can play some of the role let's you know let's organize it so that's why we call this era functional medicine 2.0 which is sort of like you know, now there's technology companies building tools to make it easier to be successful in practice. There's models of doctors that have built the kind of practice that you could build. And and there's also communities of doctors to come into so you don't have to feel so weird. So that's 2.0. You know, 3.0 will come down the road and that's when, like, this is the standard of care and, like, you know, and we've sort of taken over primary care. Right. But in this medium term, there's still this learning process. We still have to learn from each other. We still have to, like, find out about the best technologies. We still have to implement those technologies we still have to work out workflow we still have to communicate back to us what's really working so we can share it out mm-hmm. on the podcast or whatever you know we feel like we've almost been like a an information arbiter where we see cool stuff that's going down we from typically either me going to conferences and hearing about it or Gabe yeah. being on the phone with people still to this day like speaking to 20 30 practitioners a week mm-hmm. seeing what's going on and then featuring that content either on the show or the podcast and if cool stuff is going down, putting it out. And when I say cool stuff, it's got to fit into the narrative, which is like empowering the physician or practitioner to you know, create a practice or be part of a, a, a health center of the future. And um, you know, that, those are being the sort of like mental criteria mm-hmm. for all the content we put out. So this, this all I, kind of begs the next question. I know we get it all the time from practitioners, just simply when you're talking about kind of, you know, new solutions, new offerings. It's always, okay, what's the model around it? Have you seen many questions kind of coming up through the functional forum from practitioners saying, okay, James, I've got all these great tools now. What's the business model? How do I turn around and actually, you know, coming down to brass tacks, you know, what do I charge for this? What, you know? Yeah, definitely. And we're, 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 we're going after that right now. So, you know, what we've seen is, is in functional medicine 1.0, everyone just defaulted to doing what the easiest thing that they could imagine is, which is basically fee for service. So if you look at it, you see cash fee for service or maybe insurance, but 75% of the industry is cash fee for service. So it's like, oh, I know how this works. And people, patients and doctors intuitively understand that it's easy. Like you come in, you're going to swap my time. I'm going to pay for that time. You're going to buy these supplements. You're going to pay for those supplements and that's it. So that was 1.0. I think what we're seeing in 2.0, that can work, but um, there are other models that are emerging to make a more elegant solution for both patients and for and and for the and for the, for the practitioner. Because 
you know, that the elephant in the room is that this isn't really medicine for everyone at this point. It's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my friend Robin Burson is for the very sick, very green and very, very sick, very green and very rich. Like those are the people that can yeah. do it. And so, you know, so how do you make it more available? So, you know, we started looking at one of our sponsors early on was a company that helped practitioners think, okay, should we be actually be creating packages for episodes of care? You're not going to, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to reverse your type two diabetes in one appointment. So let's not have a fee for service where there's one appointment. Let's set up six months of appointments, include all the things that you're going to need ahead of time, get the money off the table, and then let the six months, let's reverse your diabetes together. So that was the first part of our thinking is we should package these episodes of Mm -hmm. care. And then, you know, when we started looking at where the most innovation was, what we started to see was that there was a real synergy between direct primary care and the, the membership kind of model and functional medicine. Because really what you need to practice functional medicine is you need time. Yeah. And so, you know, people were buying episodes of time from practitioners, length mm-hmm. of time for cash. But what we see is that I think direct primary care um, gets the right incentives. It's the closest thing that I've seen to the sort of Chinese tale of you only pay the doctor when you're well and when you're sick, you don't pay. Mm-hmm. It's almost like that because you're paying every month. And if you do get sick, you're still paying, but you're not paying more. And so I feel like intuitively that feels good for patients and then, and people know what it means to be like a member of something. And then the cool thing is it incentivizes the doctor to actually get you well and keep you well, because then if they don't have to come in because they're well and they're still paying, then you can expand the practice and have more members that, you know, the beginning people need more handholding up front, but if you can get a big block of healthy people that love you for reversing their type two diabetes, right. and still going to pay every month without doing anything. That's how you can, you know, build it. And then also obviously for the practitioner, if you build a regular book of business, when you go to sell that practice or you try and sell that practice, you have dedicated future income streams mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that, that allow you to create a higher premium for what you've built. Yeah. So we, we're very bullish on, on the membership model and we have a course um, we're just releasing now called Building Your Functional Medicine Membership Practice. And it's all designed around creating uh, a model that allows you to charge monthly and that would you know be a sort of a premium kind of a membership so that you could have everyone has a health coach who's going to do the nudge in between times or whatever so that you can build a program around that. And the cool thing is, you know, Robin Burson and I are really good friends. We've been friends since 2012. She, she spoke on my uh, launch of my first summit about the fact that very green, very rich, very sick. And now she's gone out and built this direct primary care practice. So I'm like, hey, look at Robin. Like, she's got three practices. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like, I told you this was easy. <laughs> look how easy it is. Go and do it. Mm-hmm. Again, like every man. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so refreshing story. to see that too, because I know we see so many people who ask us, you'd be amazed if anyone, I'm, I think maybe you all, and I know some other companies use Intercom on their on their website that allows people to live chat through your website, ask questions. Yeah. And we'll get questions sometimes from people saying, you know, hey Mac, how much should I charge? You know, what's the model <laughs> we should use? And sometimes we have to sit there and try to concisely kind of share some thoughts with people. But you'd be amazed how many people have, have kind of overlooked that whole idea of recurring revenue, which to your point, I mean, that's, that's long, like, you know, you have to look at the lifetime value of a customer, you know, you want to be able mm-hmm. to better, you know, predict where your business is going to be in three, six, 12 months. And that's what the recurring models allow. So yeah, and the beauty of this direct primary care model that you're talking about really is that it's built on top of that monthly recurring revenue model, and that you've been able to align the incentives so well from provider to consumer um, in a way that 
we hadn't seen before yeah. otherwise that is is you know i think really promising for the future of where you guys are well, it's refreshing in a world where the incentives are ridiculously perverse <laughs> <laughs> i feel like you're you're like the mba for mds has anyone ever said that like i feel like that i mean you're you're talking about things that i feel like most people should you know in in throughout their educational process should, should be introduced to these kinds of concepts i think they're just critical when you're looking at the health of your business and so you know kudos to you all for getting this going and, and like, dude I, I would actually clarify i'd say we're the alt mba like i don't know if you've heard of seth godin's alt mba but like mm-hmm. I, my um my uh my, my brother-in-law is doing mba right now and like i saw some of the training i was like you're going to be very well prepared for like the 1996 job market <laughs> <laughs> and and i think that like look come and work for me let me teach you about email automation like one of, one of the things you realize is that, you know, we've had people in our company that have come in for like six months, have seen what we're doing and then could become a $250 an hour, you know, consultant in any other business because all we're doing is like next level funneling and email automation. You know, we hired our COO cause he was awesome at that. And he is, you know, this German guy that runs the whole thing and he's amazing. Yeah. But like every business wants this biggest company, smaller company. Absolutely. Companies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like that's why I say like, you know, if you go to Seth Godin's thing, it's all about solving problems dynamically. It's all about understanding new business models. It's all about essentially, you know, the one thing I would say that Seth Godin said at the very first um, impresario training, he says it's about building the attention and trust of an audience. Mm. And I think that's, that's been our sort of North star for the functional form all the way through. It's like, how do we maintain the attention and build the trust? And, and, you know, if you look at, if you look at, uh, you know, the hardest thing that we've done to replicate would be to do that. And because it takes time, you don't get it straight away. No, no, no. You know, you have to build it over a period of time. So I think that's, you know, that's for anyone, if you're building a practice, you know, how do you build the attention and trust of people in your community? You know, we've, we feel like what we've done is, is showcased how to give enough gifts, you know, and stories to be able to build a community around us. This is a reproducible model for any practice. You just have to think about what gifts can you give to your community? How can you, you know, how can you share um, and build the attention and trust of the community and and so some of the most exciting practices that we're seeing are regularly doing events that help to build the attention and trust of their community in their local area that's good yeah i think that's i mean the trust factor is is critical i think you all have been you know once again kind of kudos to you all for i think you've you've been sticking with this for the past couple years and you've really showed kind of the your your staying power with it in finding new, you know, finding new guests, creating new content. I think you all have just become an incredible beacon in the space from everything we've seen and everyone we talk to. But yeah, the one, so a couple, I know we're kind of, kind of running out of time. So a couple last points I wanted to kind of ask about first off was, I said, I know you had had a podcast recently on the functional forum uh, with Brian, I think Mulvaney is his name, the guy from CrossFit talking about kind of micro practice concept. And I think, it's really interesting to explore and look at the CrossFit model as it relates to both, you know, those in traditional healthcare, but those in wellness, you know, you want to walk through that a little bit? Yeah. Like, so, you know, I, um, there's this woman called Julie uh, Fouché and she, uh, I was introduced to her to Mark, by Mark Hyman because she's a medical student at Cleveland Clinic. And I was like, Oh, there's this medical student at Cleveland Clinic. Who's, he said, Oh yeah, she's into CrossFit. I didn't realize this when I met her, but she has like 400,000 Instagram followers and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
it, that came second and fourth in the CrossFit Games and is like a beast and is amazing. And she wants to build these things. So I went on a thing and, I, and we talked about the micro practice revolution, like, you know, small box revolution is very similar to CrossFit. And so I started thinking about it. And Brian got in touch with me. He's like, I heard the podcast. You're the first person I've ever heard talk about the small box revolution in healthcare. And it's exactly what we've done in CrossFit. And I saw the parallels, right? So you, you, um, you know, you create a reproducible model for creating health, creating fitness or creating health, functional medicine across fit. Mm -hmm. You create a community around the, around the business. So you have a culture. So they have like, they're big into paleo. It's actually, that's quite similar. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you dramatically reduce the overhead of running a practice or you have a dramatically reduced overhead compared to running a gym where you have to have all the equipment. You know, it's called a CrossFit box for a reason. The, the overhead is lower. And when I saw Robin Burson's practice, I was like, she has one room in a WeWork and a laptop and that's it. Yeah. Nothing else. That's there. amazing. Like, there's, no other, there's no other stuff. And then I saw like, this doc, I, we would hear stories like all the all the things matched up. Where it's like this doctor is running their practice inside a factory at zero overhead. The factory is paying for it and paying them a direct primary care fee every month. So I was like, the overhead is the biggest issue because all of the celebrity doctors in the space have like a medi spa with uh, you know right, with right, right, right. so much stuff. And I was like, you don't need all this stuff. Look, what does it actually take? It's just human connection. And then the fourth thing is you, em you empower the fitness professional, in this case, or the doctor, to become the entrepreneur. And that's what CrossFit has done and done really successfully. And so I was like, okay, this is just an obvious you know, an obvious, um, you know, correlation. So I had Brian on the podcast to launch the book because I was like, look, CrossFit has, you know, in, in a short period of time, CrossFit has launched 14,000 boxes. A new box opens every hour and a half. Like this is a model that we can yeah. see how we can get to 100,000 micro practices and people have really liked it. That is an incredible correlation. I never really thought of it that way, but I mean, do you foresee then you know, within the next five years, do you see kind of similar to CrossFit boxes? Do you see almost these small kind of healthcare wellness type facilities in every kind of every neighborhood popping up something similar? So, yes. And so I was asked this question on a panel last year, like, will hospitals be the centers of health creation? And if you see the video, I actually said, not only did I say no, but I got up and I kicked a plant <laughs> just for a dramatic effect. Yeah, yeah. I was like, look, definitely not. Like there are things that about the hospital that are totally incongruent with health creation. Right. I think the health creation center is going to be community centers. Look at the Saddleback yeah. Church. Look at CrossFit. Like that's where health's actually being created. So I would say, yes, doctors practicing off a laptop in CrossFit. Mm -hmm. Doctors practicing off a laptop in co-working spaces, people where places where people actually are. Well, the other big theme, yeah, the big other big theme for evolution of medicine has been community. So I think it's more like the the medicine goes into the community rather than the people come to the hospital. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of fits with the shift we're seeing, and I feel like business in general is seeing a shift from biz, big business to more kind of solopreneurs. Mm -hmm. And it, I think this fits really well with kind of the trends you're seeing. So. Yeah, that's, that's encouraging to see over the next few years. But I think you touched on it. I want to make sure we touch on this as well. So your book, this was the kind of the new thing that's come out. So for anyone who maybe hasn't heard about this, can you tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, so I just wanted to bring together the book. You know, all the, I, wanted to, I wanted to have an opportunity to speak to regular doctors 
and to make an argument for why they should shift to running a functional medicine micro practice and make the argument in the order that I wanted to make it because I think you have to argue from first principles. There's a lot of argument based on like this guy says you should do it or whatever. And like, I'm not that guy. Like I, I, I it's not my thing. So I'm not a doctor otherwise, but what I saw is like, Hey, there's two massive problems here. You've got chronic disease, which we don't have an operating system for. Um, and then two, we have massive doctor disenfranchisement, you know, disenfranchisement, you know, hate their jobs, killing themselves in record numbers. And then I see all these functional medicine doctors that love their job. And that was backed up by this survey um, the IFM did where most, you know, the, the, the patient, the practice, the patient and practitioner satisfaction scores for practicing functional medicine are off the charts. Mm-hmm. And especially if you compare it to everything else, not just, you know, um, a uh, subjective number. So yeah, we just wanted to put that together. So I, um, you know, we we came up with a plan of of launching this accelerator, and I wanted basically to have something that would sort of convince doctors that this was the way to go. And uh, I had, you know, I had an idea for that. And then I really, you know, we'd been my 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 partner Gabe Hoffman has beaten cancer and and gave an amazing talk on that January 2015 functional forum on. Mm-hmm the power of the hero's journey. And I went to an event and they were talking about this hero's journey. I was like, look, this is a hero's journey for physicians. Like ultimately the patient is the hero of their healing journey, but the doctor is the hero of their own journey to practice the type of medicine that they, you know, they love. And so, you know, we just constructed this hero's journey book where the first half of the book is really the call to adventure, you know, to these mm-hmm. doctors to say, Hey, there's an opportunity to, you know, practice a type of medicine that can reverse these diseases that you're seeing in your chronic diseases. So then that call to adventure, dealing with their fears, that kind of thing. And then the second half, the hardest part of the hero's journey is always the final test. And the final test is how to build the successful practice. And that's when we talk about the models and we talk about all the stuff that's in the accelerator. The other thing that had always worked really well for us was to make stuff that had previously been charged for available for free online. That was the playbook with the functional forum. So I was like, look, I've been, I had a practice management company. I've spoken at conferences. I want to dump all of my ideas out into a place where you can get the book and read it for free. And if you're the kind of person that can implement from a book, go get it. We need more people who can do that. And then if you need the speed and automation of someone to help you to deliver that, that's what the practice accelerator is. Nice. So it was a, it was a great fit. And what I, you know, what became clear, there's a lot of other people, including Nudge, really that are betting on physician entrepreneurship to a certain degree all all the lab companies all the education organizations what we realized right from the beginning is that if you can bring an md from a job to starting our own practice they now make a ton of buying decisions that they didn't make over here and that's really good for everyone in the ecosystem Mm -hmm. and so that's why we've been like there's you know everyone likes us in the ecosystem because we're bringing more customers across to them. And so, you know, so what we realized, so that's why we got like the Institute for Functional Medicine, which is the biggest education organization. Genova Diagnostics was the biggest lab company. They've never been an affiliate for anything apart from their own thing. Right. They were an affiliate for my book and they were two of the biggest affiliates and we had like 50 affiliates. And it's because everyone, we convinced everyone or everyone realized that if, doctors really got a hold of this and built, we got more doctors coming across and doctors building mm-hmm. more successful practices. They're going to benefit the most out of everyone, maybe even more than us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's how we, 
you know, managed to get the support. And, you know, we got, we had 50,000 downloads in the first week. We sort of broke the publishing model to uh, <laughs> by, you know, by self-publishing, which was very consciously chosen, mm-hmm. very, you know, to, to be able to maintain complete control of the book. Because the goal is to get that book in the hand of every doctor in America in the next couple yeah. years. And so you can't do that if you have to pay 86% to publish as right. an agent and right. all that stuff. Well, and you- they don't even let you give it away for free. And I think you've created, it's such a win-win scenario because I think too, when you mentioned shifting the buying decisions to the practitioner, there's a lot of responsibility there. There's mm-hmm. probably a lot of, uh, you know, we say choice paralysis. It's probably a very overwhelming process. I think you've done a good job of kind of identifying, you know, what's out there that's really maybe worth checking out to begin with. So you're kind of curating the market, not only with content and education, but also, you know, which tools are actually maybe worth you know, incorporating too. Yeah. It's following up on the, on the why, you know, you're getting people to buy into this vision for how they want to be practicing medicine, how they can feel good about it. And then saying, you know, here's how you can do that. And then here are the tools that you can use. And if you need us at the Academy, we can show you exactly how to implement that. So you've been able to put together an amazing evolution of things. Yeah. Um, that all fit together to to move the yeah. We're just getting started too, guys. So watch out. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I'll just give you a little hint: is that you know that we want to create a new healthcare system that's built around these providers at the front end. Because if you can get you know the Bucky Fuller quote, build a new system that makes the existing system obsolete. Mm-hmm. Like how better an example of this than type two diabetes in medicine, where yeah, let's not worry about cutting off so many feet from diabetic neuropathies, but let's go way up and deal with the insulin sensitivity mm-hmm. right at the beginning, right? So we get, we don't have to do as many of these things. So that Bucky Fuller quote is perfect for, you know, the situation. So the, in the bigger scheme of things, if you want to create that medical system, the thing that we don't have enough of is these doctors. Yeah. So the first thing we build is build the pipeline and attention and trust these doctors the next step is really to make it easy for patients to access those doctors and use technology in an efficient way so that it's not um, overpriced and Mm -hmm. it's available for everyone so that's kind of where we're going but the first step here was to you know to try and increase the pipeline dramatically of the number of doctors learning this and reduce the barriers to entry so that we had something to build around. Mm-hmm. So well, I think you all have done an incredible job doing that from everything we've seen, everyone we've talked to. So very Thank appreciated. You. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we could have you on. It's an incredible story about how to, you know, from the bottom up, change the way an industry works for the better. Um, definitely appreciate you taking the time out with us. And uh, where can people go to learn a little bit more about the evolution of medicine and the work you're doing? Yeah, so go GoEvoMed, G-O-E-V-O-M-E-D is the website. On there, you can find out more about the book. You can book a time with one of our concierges to you know, have a chat and see you know, what resources that we have that might be useful for your situation. If you go to functionalforum.com, you can join a meetup. You can start a meetup. Um, so those are the, those are the different places to go. Hey, well, really appreciate everything you do for us too, James. You know, you've, thanks, you've been guys. to work with and love what you're doing. So thanks a lot. All right. That's James Maskell with the evolution of medicine and guys check out the scale well podcast. Please, um, subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and rate us if you like it. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again to James Maskell from evolution. Medicine.